All right, just sitting here. I'm Joe Murray on a Tuesday. I believe this is uh, episode 27 of the podcast. I literally have been just sitting here for 27 days, and um, I appreciate everybody's support. Of course, you can uh, find the shows uh, everywhere on Spotify, on YouTube, and on iTunes, and getting a lot of good feedback on that one. So uh, appreciate that. We'll uh, have a lot of fun today. We got Big Jim Murray from 98.5 The Sports up today. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on everything happening. Uh, not so much sports. You can check that out later on today uh, at 2 o'clock. So uh, let's welcome him in. He is uh, Big Jim Murray. He is from 98.5 The Sports Hub. He's a part of the Felger Maz program. He's got his own show on the weekends with uh, Chris Gasper. What's going on today, Big Jim? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Does this sound okay, I guess? Is it echoey or anything like that? Y- you sound perfect. Uh, you don't have the giant microphone with the 98.5 logo, <laughs> uh, which which is fine. Uh, you do look like the Repo Man, though, from know, the, old right? rest- the, the, the old wrestling days. Uh, but uh, people are loving the lunchtime comments. So, of course, you can comment uh, during the broadcast if you have any questions uh, whatsoever here. Uh, Jim, I've been starting uh, all these podcasts off and Again, we have the parental advisory at the top, so feel free to let loose a little bit. Uh, yep, have have some fun with it. Uh, but we started off every podcast today with, uh, or every podcast with, if you could be quarantined with one person from ninety eight five the sports up. Like, uh, it was fourteen days. Who would that person be? Can it be from the building and a former employee? Sure, sure. I'm gonna go with Mark Feldman. You know Feldman, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, aesthetically, he kind of looks like me. Um, but beyond that, like he, I'm legitimately good friends with him. Um, he hates what I hate. Uh, I always enjoy talking to him. He's one of the smartest people I know. So, um, yeah, I, I would pick Feldman. Uh, I think he's extremely talented just in terms of radio stuff, but he's kind of a whack job and has, you know, a lot of theories that I agree with. And I think I could enjoy sitting with him for two weeks with nobody else just, I don't know, getting drunk, drinking bourbon, smoking a little bit of weed. That would be me, not him, because he gets paranoid. But just, I don't know, diving deep into the the madness that is the world. So I'll go Mark Feldman. I love uh, Mark Feldman. He uh, did a little rap for me for one of my uh, bits. Right. I do the musings. Uh, that came out of nowhere one day. He just, I, I was, he's like, "What's your favorite song?" I'm like, "Today was a good day, Ice Cube." And boom, he just, he just went with it and uh, spent a lot. He's maybe the most talented production guy I've ever heard. And it's stuff like that. Like he'll, that's right. Cause yeah, he did your musings thing and he'll like rap on it and stuff. Like he'll just do shit out of nowhere. And he, when he was, especially when he was with the sports hub, like, I don't know how much uh, he's probably doing a fair amount of that on um, the, I want to say jamming. Yeah. 96.9. Yeah. Get up crew. He'd come out of nowhere with like these big, long, elaborate production pieces that he had worked on for days. And it's like, did anyone ask you to do that? He's like, no, I just had the itch. So good call. Good call. Yeah. I, mine's Dan Lifshatz. And the reason why is because I do my thing. Dan does his thing. Like we've hung out maybe once outside of radio, but like we have that relationship where we just do our own thing, man. Like that's his side. This is my, that's his opinion. This is my money. That's his money. Yeah. Like, and it's just it works, and that's that's why we've done a successful show. I think because of that, we don't step on each other's toes whatsoever. But yeah, the separation's important, and it's like you know because I'm sure some people are like, well, why would you pick Felger or Maz or Jimmy Stewart? And like we all get along, but I like to a point. Like I think we'd all end up killing each other at some point. So it, it, in the the 14 days of quarantine, so Feldman, I know like he wouldn't get on my nerves, and vice versa. So that's the most important thing. 
So, uh, Jim, how are you uh, handling this this quarantine right now? I know you're you're working from home. Um, obviously, it's it's been almost it's going going to be going on three months soon. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like you know, the no sports thing is this bothering you? Or are you actually like kind of enjoying the fact that you know you have to make up content a little bit here and there? Uh, I like it, um, especially on the weekends because I get to you know kind of do a little bit more of my own thing. Overall, um, I hate it every day. I think it's more bad news every hour is worse than the last. I definitely had a, a borderline nervous breakdown a couple of weeks ago. Had a panic attack for the first time in like fourteen or fifteen oh, years, um, which sucked. But I know I'm not alone there. Like you know, I think everyone's. It's a roller coaster ride. Some days are better than others. Some hours are better than others. Some are really bad. Um, so yeah, do I miss sports? Uh, baseball, I don't. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. Like, if baseball doesn't come back, do I truly give a shit? Not really. Um, but where the Bruins were, I feel ripped off there. Like, it felt like they could have been poised for a deep run. The Celtics were really getting interesting. Um, you know, now I'm already worried about football, whether or not that that's going to be back. It's just, it's it's just seemingly like bad every day. Bad news. Bad news. Bad news. It's like Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know. I I've tried to be better lately about. Um, working out and not drinking as much that definitely contributed to it. Cause when it all started, I was diligent about, you know, trying to work out every day, you know, blow off some stress, not really drinking that much. And then, you know, at some point it just catches up with you and it's like, Oh, this just blows. So it's like drinking every night, not really working out, sleep until noon. And it, uh, it definitely caught up with me. I literally do that. That's kind of what I've been doing is I sleep in, I do this podcast, I probably like record it and post it places. Then I go back to bed. And, yeah. and I mean, I think you do fall into some sort of pattern, depression, like whatever. We're all men. Like we're all real. This is real life shit. We're going through yeah. right now. But yeah, for me, like I, there's nothing else to do. And I'll tell you, like I used to be one of these guys that would stay up till two in the morning and watch these West Coast basketball games, like betting on them because I'm, I'm bored. And like now I'm watching the Patriot. And like varsity blues and, and like you know the replacements back to back on CMT channel or whatever. I mean it's bad at this point. And really for the most part, I have no reason to leave the house. Like they still send me in on Saturday mornings and on Thursdays, but like yeah. besides that, that's the only time I get out of the house. And like curbside has been my friend. I'm like tipping them like yo know, extra money because I'm like thank you, thank you. Like it's nice to actually. I'm like a dog. Like you, you actually see somebody for a while and you just start talking their ear off lately but yeah man it has been crazy i, I do agree with you i haven't uh, heard you say on any of these and if you don't mind me asking did you get furloughed at your other full-time job or are you working for yeah home? out so out done so i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do next you know this ra this radio thing and i'll get into your story in a bit but you know i've been doing this 12 years man like how, how i got into this i'm one of these csp kids went to connecticut school of broadcasting and my second day of classes my teacher was john Anik. Yeah, who, who will be like on. a big UFC guy. Exactly. So we're going to have him on on, fr on Friday on the show. But like uh, one day, like we did sports updates and he goes, what are you doing tomorrow? And I got an internship at 1510 at the time, which was going about starting to go under because they just lost the Celtics. So they needed all the help they could get. And I was just like, yeah, what do you need? You know, and, and I was doing everything. And uh, but yeah, I ended up getting hired as a producer. And the one thing that I did was I, I did sales. And a lot of these other guys, like, you know, you probably did production at some point and then got on air. Like, mm -hmm. for me, I was out in the streets knocking on doors being like, hey, you want to be a part of my broadcast? I'll make you a commercial. And, like, that's how I got started. So, like, yeah, I did production, but then I would do the commercials and then sell it and, like, bill it monthly or quarterly or whatever it was. And 
So did you sell your own show? Because I know, and I know other guys that have done this, like a guy I worked with in Atlanta, um, you know, like he paid for his own show initially. It was like, I think a thousand bucks a month because it was like every Saturday for an hour. And it came to a thousand bucks a month, but he went out, pounded the pavement, made 1500 a month. So he paid off the thousand dollar nut and then pocketed 500. So did you do that kind of thing or was that? Same thing. Yeah. So it was brokered time. You bought the time. Uh, My first show ever, it was called the Sports Blast was the Monday after the Patriots lost the undefeated season. Oh, shit. First, my first, like, real show ever. Um, and, like, yeah, it was it was devastating. Like, who, <laughs> wants to listen, who wants to listen to the radio the day after the Patriots lose a Super Bowl? Oh, I went on a – I remember that. I went on, like, a straight boycott of all things sports radio ESPN for, like, six months. I was – you know, like most people, I was like, ah, I fucking broke my brain. You know, like, I'm not yeah. – I don't want to hear any more about this. But it, but it was so sad. But yeah, and like that's how I started. And then I just started. Hey, do you want? I was a local kid. I'm from High Park. I'd knock knock on doors like, Hey, man, you want to help me out? And that's how it got started for me. Like, dude, I needed the reps. Like, I worked at a financial radio station. I yeah. was doing like religious overnight, like board hopping, and like it's just it's it's how you do it in this business, man. But I guess I should ask you because I like I was a fan. I remember listening to WFNX. I remember Big Jim, you know, as a DJ, and like FNX was. You know, say what you want about it. It was a competitor for, for to listening to music in this town. But like, how did you get started in the radio? I know you mentioned at one point you are a failed musician like myself. Yeah, uh, I tried. It didn't work out, but I knew how to do everything, and that that kind of helped me a bit. But kind of tell everyone uh, your story and how you got in the radio. Yeah, so uh, I went to like one of these CSB type schools. It was the Art Institute of Boston, which got folded into. Uh, well, it was. Mass Communications College. It got folded into the Art Institute of Boston. It used to be right by uh, Mistral and Club Cafe in in uh, the South End. And um, I went there because I like I was a, a shitty guitar player, but I like loved music. I, I've had at these aspirations of wanting to be a musician. But anyone that I played with, I was always the weak link. So I at least had the the self awareness to be like, well, I suck at this, but how can I try to parlay this into some sort of music career? So I went to that school. Uh, I had gone to Middlesex Community College. I was a shitty high school school student. I didn't really want to like do real school. So I transferred what I had in terms of, uh, you know, applicable credits and whatnot to Mass Communications College. And I went there initially for music recording. So I was like, well, if I can't play in a band, maybe I can record bands. And one of my uh, instructors who was like day one, he said to the class, like, here's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. And he had like all these credits. Uh, he had worked with uh, Philip Glass. He had uh, had credits as a, you know assistant engineer on like Bowie records from the 70s. So he wasn't just some hack. But <laughs> how did he end up teaching here? Well, he said, he's like, here's what's going to happen. He's like, you're going to end up probably hating this job. Uh, you're going to develop a drug problem. You're probably going to go through like two or three marriages. We were all like looking at each other like, what the fuck? Um, but I knew real quick, like within the first couple of weeks, I'm like, I've made a massive mistake because my parents at that point were like, you're paying for this. So like, we're not paying for this bullshit dream of yours. Like, figure it the fuck out. Um, and rightfully so, because I was a bad student. But I realized quick, I was like, oh, I hate this. Uh, I didn't like the engineering aspect of it. It was just like, again, like I can't be a musician, so I'll try to be near them. But I hated it. And uh, it just was like, this is a waste of money and a waste of my time. And a girl I was friends with at the time then said, like, well, if she was in the radio program, she's like, well, you're kind of funny and like you got a good voice. Why don't you just transfer over to radio? And so I did. And that's what happened. And I, I like immediately loved it. 
and um, you know, I grew up listening to BCN and FNX, and I never really thought like there's people uh, that you know, like a guy like um, oh, what's his name? Uh, you you know him, and you I think you would like work with him at one point. He's he does uh, Callahan's podcast now. Uh, oh, Dave, oh, Alex Reamer, yeah, yeah. There's guys like yeah, that. I hired him years ago. They've known since they were five or six years old. They want to yeah, literally. Yeah. I, I was never that guy. Like I just listened to it, but then I transferred over, but I did like it. And I liked doing like the mock shows. And one of my instructors was Henry, uh, Henry Santoro, who was the news guy at FNX at the time. He's now at WGBH, but I really liked him. And he kind of lit a fire under my ass. And he's like, you know, you could do this. And I, it was like that. Like, I was like, oh, I, I could do this. And so I liked it and I stuck with it. And I got an internship at FNX in 97. Once I got my foot in the door, I was like, over my dead body, am I getting on it? Like, my internship will end and I'm making sure they can't get rid of me. So, um, you know, no one's good at the beginning. So what I <laughs> did to make sure, like, people knew me is at the time I was working at uh, Barnes & Noble on Route 1 in Saugus in the in the uh the cafe oh yeah and uh do you remember how it was there's no security cameras there's no like you could steal and you worked a retail job in the 90s it's a fucking free-for-all and uh i would never steal from no this is my justification for it like i'd never steal from a mom and pop but from like those big conglomerates like like, (laughs) you're insured for it so i found out like who all what the all the important people like the program director the apd people i appreciated on the air and liked what they liked, and I stole them the appropriate stuff. Books, Henry was into tea, uh, like all that shit. Like the PD was into X-Files books. Like I just, all the time, people are like, how do you get this? I'm like, oh, I got a big discount. (laughs) So, and with that, I was able to kind of worm my way in. I started as a, uh, the first paycheck I got was like a a production assistant, just like, you know, dubbing commercials, because at the time it was still reel to reel and cassette uh, and uh, carts and stuff like that. And, um. Yeah, I kind of worked my way up from there. The other, uh, I worked at, uh, you know, you mentioned like a Christian station. I worked at uh, WROL 9.50 a.m. Oh, I was in that same building. <clears throat> no shit, really? Marina, Marina Bay? Well, no, the other, so they had the other one where all the production stuff was there. And then the, the small station that was on Route 1A okay. in, in Saugus where like all the people you would get like race cars and get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the time. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was that along with, the you know the occasional few hours I would get production wise were the first real radio jobs I had. So so, uh, so FNX like were you there when it went under or did you already move on from that point? I was out. I got blown out in the spring of 2010. Um, did you have 13, 12, 13 years there then. Off and on, yeah. I I hired. I think I signed the paperwork there to be full time like four different times. Um, so I eventually got full time uh in 2000 as a production assistant and like you know the sport so they never had like a sports thing so you know like butt rock starts to come in limp biscuit uh corn all that kind of stuff which i liked at the time most people do people want to have revisionist history about it and say like oh we didn't like that then you did um dude i had like a seven uh seven string guitar (laughs) (laughs) like fieldy you know what i mean (laughs) with like the what was it not even drop d it was drop like whatever hey. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. so uh so yeah I, like they didn't have a sports guy in the morning show and they bring in this like rockish morning show so i got hired to do that too and i ended up having that role on like five permutations of morning shows from 2000 to 2003 
Um, I left. I got that job with them. I, I got to work at G4, the now defunct video game network, to be a host on their Madden thing from 2003. Um, came back in 04, did some overnights. Like I, I, yeah, I, I signed the paperwork there like four separate times. Um, I, I loved it there. You know, it was never what B, it was never a monster like WBCN, but they broke. You know, they broke Nirvana. They were the first station in the country to play them, and yeah. that was before me. But no, I wasn't there when they went under. I think that was 2012, so I was already out. Shit. And I know you bounced around and <clears throat> that's one thing people don't get about radio. Um, you know, you are talented. Like, you know, you, you have, you have fun, you do production work. You're a funny dude. You got a good voice. You can read commercials. You can do all that shit. But like, I don't know when, if nobody wants to hire you full time, you get down on yourself. You know, oh, you're yeah. like, shit, am I, am I, is this, am I good? Is this good? Am I good enough for this? Uh, you know, I'll never get full time. Like I, dude, I love the sports up and I'm happy with my role there, but everybody's under contract. It's the number one station. Like, Someone's gonna have to die or leave in order for like for, for me to get that job. And like I'm fine with that, but it sucks. So oh, I'm yeah. sure you've been doing this for years and you went to Atlanta, you left the sports up, you were there for a bit, went to Atlanta because you wanted to work on your craft and get better, and somehow you made you made your way back. But was there a point where you're like, dude, I I might not be able to do this anymore? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's around that time. So I get blown out uh the end of two thousand it's middle of Spring of 2010, and that was ugly. Um, they bring in this new, this new guy who's the worst guy I've ever worked for in radio. Just like a petty fucking like, a pig, like pig vomit, like that. Yeah, guy. bad dude. So here's here's the best example of what a piece of shit this guy was. Um, they blew out the morning show, who was like all my best friends, who I'm still friends with now. And uh, I get taken off afternoons. They put on Adam 12, which fine, like he was a name and still is, and was a PCN. So like I got it, but I'm not gonna be happy about it. So. Rather than like doing it in a mature way, like we're going in a different direction, all of us that were still there, dude, he sat us in a meeting and he was just such a manipulative fucking man. Oh, I hated him so much. He printed out a child's, uh, like sections of a, a children's book. Um, what the fuck was it called? Ah, uh, it was something with like something in the steam shovel, but a children's book. And really the section of it was like, why your job is going away. And he made us read it aloud page by page, like one person had to read a page, next person had to read a page. And dude, as it was getting to me, I was in my head, it's one of the big regrets I have in life. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. And I'm gonna tell this guy, rip this guy a new fucking asshole, like up and down. But I didn't, cause I was a pussy and I needed the money and I wanted to collect unemployment, but I knew my time was running out. So I read my page, but oh, I like the regret I still have 10 years later, for that, that I didn't just blow up and fucking burn the room down. <laughs> Still burns inside of me. But um, but yeah, I mean, everyone eventually, I think, works for someone that bad in this. Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel, there it is. That's the fucking book, Ryan. That's the book. Yep. Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel. He had this voice, uh, Mike Tierney. We all have to dig a little bit deeper. Oh, I'd still choke him in his sleep today. I fucking hate him. Um, so yeah, so that all ended badly. And... I, when I, at that point, I'm like, I'm done. Like, do I go back to school? Like, but like, here's the thing, and I, I've fucked myself. I really only have myself to blame. Like, I don't know anything else. I'm not good at anything else. I don't want to do anything else. Like, you know how it is. Like, once this fucking business gets its fangs in you, and it really gets in you, like, that's all you want to do. So, I don't know. Like, that time passed, and then um, I forget who put me in touch with Mike Thomas. I sent an email, you know, October of 2010. I was like, oh, here goes nothing. Um, and I heard back from him and I was like, oh shit. And he's like, well, I can hire you for, you know, either some production stuff and doing updates like done. Um, 
So that, and then that led to me getting some part-time hours at WBZ AM, which was awesome because at the time they're unionized and paid like $34 an hour. Yeah, yep. So, I mean, dude, there was days I went in there with the full on flu, like, you know, ready to die. I never said, and I've heard you say this on this podcast, like the, the big thing more than anything else, even more than talent, you say yes to everything outside of like having to blow a PD, like you say yes to everything, absolute yep. fucking yes to everything. So I just kept showing up and showing up. But I had that same mentality. When I got on the sports, I was like, well, I'm never going to get full time here. Someone has to die or get fired. Um, and then 2012, they were flipping that station from a rock station to sports in Atlanta. And I, you know, for whatever reason, and I know Andy Gresh, you know, is prickly to a lot of people. He like, he liked me. He knew the PD down there. He touched base with him. And he's like, well, I got a guy for you. And the funny thing was I initially got hired as like a Wallach role down there, like full-time updates. That's it on mornings. And then, you know, that guy ended up being the second worst PD I've ever worked for. Like he was just a weird manip manipulative fucking guy. You didn't know which way he was coming. Like right two weeks before I had already accepted the job and all that stuff. But two weeks before I moved everything and went down there, he's like, oh, by the way, your job's changed. You're doing uh, you're doing late nights. And I was like, late night updates. He's like, no, you're the host. <laughs> so while I was pumped, I was also terrified. Yeah. All I had really done in terms of hosting at the sports hub was uh, I was with Mike Lockhart for a little bit doing the fantasy football show. And that was really it. So uh, I'm also a big believer, though. It was the best thing that could have happened for me because I think you could get thrown right into the fire. Like yeah. it's either sink or swim. Um, so I did that 10 p.m., 2 a.m., about a year and a half down there. And then things miraculously changed. Eventually at the sports, I had to stop at a top 40 station in Connecticut for a little while. Um, but I never would have thought like Gresh would have been out and Beetle moved over and like how that whole thing came up. Like that was, it's still mind blowing to me that that whole thing ended up happening the way that it did. Availability is the best ability. That's what I'll tell anybody. Like, yeah. you, you know, you needed your reps on the air. You got it and you figured it out. And, you know, the one thing I like about night is shit happens fast and you have to give a reaction quickly. You know what I mean? And if you have that reaction and you can do that, you're going to be just fine. You know what I mean? And so I, I will, we'll move on from the big gym stuff, but I do have a question. <clears throat> Felger and Maz, uh, they liked you. You filled in a ton with them. And I know when the whole switch happened, there was talks about maybe other people going to yeah. that role and moving. And it probably made a shift elsewhere uh, in the station as well. But did, like, did you think you could fit in with those two guys? Was there ever, were ever an issue where like, all right, or just in general, has there ever been an issue where you're like, oh, shit, am I going to be able to fit, it, fit in with a Felger and a Maz? Yeah, well, so it's funny. It's easier to think that you can when I was part-time. And I still, even when I was in Connecticut, I would still send them like production stuff to use either for the final word or to come back as a rejoin just because I was like a fan of the show. And I, you know, I also, you know, was also trying to look out for my own interest too. Like, hey, if anything ever changes, like keep me in mind. Because I had heard things, but you never fucking know. Um but I'll tell you, like when I first got there full time, so that's February 2015, and they're knuckle deep in uh, Deflategate every day, four hours a day. It's five years ago now, man. Yeah, two yeah. months in. I remember we had a, we all collectively had a meeting with Mike Thomas, and it wasn't said, but it was implied. Like, are you comfortable? And like, are you comfortable? And to them, like, are you comfortable with him? Because I, at some point, because I, you know, I would listen, but not. You're not sitting there four hours a day. And I know, like a month in, I was like, we're really going to do this fucking four hours a day, every single day, five days a week. Like, what the fuck? Like, can we talk about something else? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, there was a weird little adjustment there for a little bit that I, like, there was definitely a period, I think, early that it was like, is this working? Um, so it's a, 
I, I'm a big believer no matter what the format, though. Like, and uh, you, you got to give things time. Like, a new host, a new show, you should get a year. I think I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, people are going to probably hate you. No one's going to come right out of the gate and, and think you're good and love you. It's especially if you're replacing someone that people have grown used to and you got to give things time. And thankfully they did. And it, it, I think it's worked out. So, yeah, it's a num- number one show going in Boston right now. So, and not for nothing, that show needs a little, like a little bit of lightness in the show. I know you might bring some darkness to, to, to the show, but like we need to lighten up a little bit there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, like, and I know Felga can do that. Like, Listen, the, the, Tony's the nicest guy in the world, and he's got his this sucks, that sucks, and Felger's got his end of the world and all that shit. But like, really, they're really good guys, and people don't don't get right. that. Um, but like, the show does need a little a little laughter in it. And I think, and I again, I the schedule day is like that's one of my the, the my funniest bits. Oh, that, thanks. You can just bring that thing back yeah. every <laughs> single every single year, uh, even with the Boston accent. Uh, Big Jim Murray series from 98 Found the Sports. I'll just kind of go through a few chats in here. Uh, Murray and Murray together, the prophecy has come true. <laughs> I want to ask you about that in a minute. Yes, the sports bled, blessed was great and had a uh, softball team. Uh, Bird, checking in. What an effing egomaniac from way back in the day. Uh, wish you guys can curse on 98.5. Big Jim, uh, how many onions did you drop in the ceiling in Atlanta? Yeah, so I was so frustrated towards the end of uh, of the FNX. That happened in the FNX, not Atlanta. Like, I was just so such a fu- – dude, I would, like, spit on shit. It was so bad. I was, like, the worst employee. And there was a sandwich, uh, sandwich I ordered for lunch. It had onions all over it. <laughs> Throwing them in the drop ceiling. And Adam 12 caught me. <laughs> I turned did around you, and was like, oh, hello. He's did like, you ever know that Doc Rivers did that? Like, he no, put, really? He put, well, he put money in the ceiling in L.A., I guess. Oh. And said, we're going we're gonna to come back here. And I guess when they won it, they ended up taking the money out and had all the money. But I've heard that like they used to leave cheese, like some places would leave cheese uh, when they did that. And then uh, Big Jim, do you ever get sick of non-sports breaking news in the afternoon? Blah. Just kind of go. Rock one hundred and one. Were you ever there? I was there too. Yeah. See, uh, I've had a million fucking jobs. So I was there. So again, like because I had I had these off and on with FNX for a better part of a decade. I was at Rock one hundred and one, December of two thousand four to. Uh, almost the beginning of 2006. I did afternoons there. Um, yeah, it's and, and so like you don't even remember, dude, because you, you've been like in so many places. You're like, holy shit, yep, yeah, yeah. afternoons there, yeah, yeah. And that was that was truly like that was this is coming up next. But they didn't really get to do it. Like I didn't get to do much. It was Clear Channel, which is now iHeart, rebranded, mm, yeah. same shitty company. Um, yeah, that's not one of my better radio jobs. And they hated me. Like the PD was mad because. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm to blame here too, but so it's Manchester and, but I wanted to talk about like bigger picture stuff and I didn't live there and they were mad. I didn't live there. And like a lot of me getting ripped by my PD was like, Oh, you don't talk about the Manchester Metro enough. And yeah. I was like, oh, who gives a shit about Manchester? Like, come on. <laughs> All right. So I got to ask you a question. Uh, I met you at the sports hub one day in the hallway. Uh, this other guy named Joe Murray's coming in. There's Jim Murray. Yeah. Well, I went. I went by Joey Murr for years. Right. Because that's I had to separate. Dude, there was like five Joe Murrays in my neighborhood in Hyde Park. <laughs> so and, and I just I was like I'm gonna be Joey Murr. Like it's a radio name, whatever. Fuck it. But there was already like a Danielle Murr, and then there's a Jim Murr, Jim Jim Murray, and I'm like ah oh, fuck. And then it's like Joe Murray, Jim Murray. So for a while, people would send me shit about you. Yep. So I'm sure people were sending you shit about me 
But like at some point, you're like, who the fuck is this Joe Murray guy coming in here? Well, no, I knew who you were, but I just the and it still happens. I think one of the nights you were on with our camp last week, someone tweeted at me and was like, "Don't be so down, man." And I was like, "Huh?" Like what? Because it's still, and I'm sure it still happens. I'm like, "What are you talking?" And I was like, "Oh, right, Joe's on right now." Like, <laughs> but like, it's kind of it, like it probably bothered you at some point. Like, you, no. you, you've been an established guy in this business. Don't get me wrong; I've been doing this 12 years. But like, I was at some. Yeah, you know, I finally made it to the sports of eight years ago. But like, at some point, you're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" No, it didn't bother me. It's just confusing at times when people tweet at you, and I'm like, "Did I say that?" Because the gambling. If anyone tweets me any gambling stuff, like I automatically know, like, okay, like you know, and you'll see. Like, I'll be like, "Nope, at Joe Murray." Like, like that's who you want to talk to. But every once in a while, it'll be something. I'm like, "What? Huh? Oh, right. Like Joe must be." Oh, that happens to be like I'm like I never said that. Yeah, I'm like I I swear I never said that. And then I'm like, well, I don't think Jim would said that either. Like, you know, so now I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you're listening to anymore. But I, I just just a question, because it's it's definitely come up uh, many, many times in my life. So let's get up, move on from the radio stuff. Uh, well, maybe we'll do a little sports talk, but I don't really care. Uh, so my favorite band, I probably told you this is Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. My, they're like my favorite band of all time. And when I was when I was like first wanted to get into radio, I got an acoustic guitar and I bought Nirvana unplugged and I started playing and I'm like, okay, great, great, great. And I loved Alice in Chains and I'm like, oh, do I, do I want to attempt that? And then all of a sudden I'm like, dude, Jerry Cantrell's way fucking better than Kurt Cobain. Like way better. Just from like learning how to play it. Come to find out you're at the fucking unplugged show. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? So, uh, you know, before I worked at FNX, I listened all the time. And so the spring of 96, them, AAF, BCN were all doing, you know, like a giveaway contest for to go to this thing. And uh, that especially, there's still one of my favorite bands of all time. But at that point in that period of my life where I'm 20, 20, 19, whatever the fuck I am, 20, um, they're my favorite band, hands down, obsessed, 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 obsessed. So I tell one of my friends, uh, Jason Kinnickle, who I'm no longer friends with, but I tell him, I'm like, it, dude, it was it, like in my, I'm like, we're winning this fucking contest. We're going to this fucking show no matter what, we're winning it. So every day we were like monitoring those stations, listening, listening, listening. And, and FNX had the easiest one where it was like, you know, they're going to play a series of Alice in Chains songs starting at 8 a.m. You know, it's one of these contesting things where they try to get you to listen all day. And then in the afternoon, they're going to play the final song. You have to name the songs that they played, Alice in Chains songs play in order. We're monitoring all day. We're writing them down, writing them down. At the time, I was a pizza delivery guy at this place, Paisan's Pizza in Melrose. And I was also telling some of my other friends, like, hey, try to help me out here. One of my other friends worked at this pizza place with me. He hears the song play as I'm coming back from a delivery. He stops what he's doing, making a pizza, calls, gets through. This is the important part because he calls, gets through, hands me the phone to Julie Kramer, who was then doing afternoons. I list off all the fucking songs. I win the fucking thing. Blows my mind. I even said I swore on the air. She's like, because I like got it right. I knew I got it right. And she's like. You know, you know, it's Julie because I'm friends with. And she was like, "Dude, you, she's like, you don't sound that excited." And I go, "I'm fucking psyched!" Like, and she goes, she played it, and then afterwards, she's like, "I can't believe you swore on the air. Like, what are you doing?" So they take my information. I win the whole thing again. My friend Eric gets through. Eric now assumes he's going. Oh no! I told my friend Jason again, like, "You win, you take me. I win, I take you." And 
it broke the friendship of my friend Eric because I was like, listen, man, like I'm a man of my word. Like I told Jay I could take him. And he's like, but I got through him. Like, but I never told you I would take you. Oh, it became man. this whole other thing that like fucked up my life at the time, even though it was such a great thing that I won. It like ruined this friendship. It was a whole uh, shit show. And now you look back on it. It's so stupid, but go ahead. You know, but, uh, but yeah, it was wild, dude. Like I got to now go see this band that hadn't played in three years. Uh, you know, the, the, the rumors, especially at that time is like, is Lane going to live or die? Was he going to show been, up? Yeah. I'd never been on a plane. Like it was, uh, this whole show was like, this is fucking nuts. They put us up in like this ridiculous ritzy hotel it was fucking wild. And I'm in, uh, I've told the story a million times, but so we get there to the Brooklyn Academy of Music and they sit us down and people keep coming up to these dudes behind us. We're like, what the fuck? Like these well-coiffed, like fucking leather jacket dudes. And then my friend Jay goes, dude, that's Metallica. And I was like, what? Because again, at that point, like Load hadn't come out. No one had seen Metallica in years, but they had cut all their fucking hair off. So they look completely different. Yep. They were behind us before they moved them to the front row because we were about like five, six rows back. And it was like, oh, my God. But we never bothered them. I wish we did. I like got a photo or something like that. But yeah, Metallica was like literally behind us as the group with all their their short hair, uh, the, their short haircuts. And that's why, I don't know if you know the yeah, story. Mike like, Mike is, yeah. Friends, from the friends, get friends, haircuts. friends haircuts, yeah, <clears throat> which was there busting the balls. Um, they even played a little, and now we're gonna go to an LL Cool J song, boom, doom, boom, boom, boom. yeah, they, you, they play battery at one interlude, yeah. yeah. Um, but here's the thing, and I'm glad you brought this up. So, with all this time on our hands, you're saying you're watching all this wacky shit late at night, same here. I ended up in a YouTube vortex, uh, the other day, like a week ago. Uh, going down like all this 90s stuff, like watching whole videos because uh, I love Courtney Love and all that music from that era. And I've been searching around. No one makes, I don't know if you found this, like no one has a good documentary about Alice in Chains. There, one doesn't exist. No, no, there's a book on chain, but no documentaries. And there's uh, a few that people have thrown together. And there was one on Lane Staley that I was actually pretty decent. It was like 30 minutes long. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch The Unplugged because I haven't watched this in like 15 years and there was a reason for it. And I felt that the night that I was there, I swear on my mother, then you're going to hate this. It's not that good, dude. <laughs> it's The CD is not as good as when you were there? or the whole, the, whole, the whole thing's not that good. There's, I had this epiphany watching this like a week ago that some things in your life, because of the enormity of the experience, like an Alice in Chains Unplugged is one the Rams Patriots Super Bowl, this last one is another. Like, because of what it was, you build it up in your mind, you're like, I was at this. And especially the Alice in Chains Unplugged, which is this big seminal moment in rock, especially for those grunge bands. But I remember, dude, I swear on my mother, that night being there when they opened with Nutshell and he starts singing, I was like, oh, oh, he, he doesn't sound good. And I'll tell you, so have you ever watched the Mad Season DVD? Yeah. That oh, yeah. yeah. If you listen to Lane Staley, where he's, healthy and yeah, sound lifeless dead and going nuts. He's yep. one of the greatest voices in rock history yep he sounds amazing he don't sound good in the allison chains i'm so he gets stronger as it goes along if he does but those first few songs and there's a few that he butchered yep. i remember sitting there that night and all these years and the reason why i haven't listened to it and rewatched it that much is because ultimately i don't think it's that great it's not, it's not that great, comparatively speaking. I know they hadn't played in three years. It's this monumental achievement that they even get his fucking half-corpse out there to sing. But considering how well he sounds when he was healthy, it ain't that great. <laughs> I, so I agree. So there's a couple of things there. That's why I wanted to ask you about this show. So like I've watched like the Unplug a million times. 
But I think it makes Jerry Cantrell look outstanding. You know, he's yeah. the dri- driving force of the band, singing way. He sang a l- probably a lot more than Lane did. Yeah. Um. You know, and obviously, obviously the harmonies. Um. So that was one thing. Especially and then down in the hole, like down in the hole, he mostly carries that whole fucking song. Yep. And uh, like you know, the rooster stuff. You know, I thought it was pretty good. That yeah, down in the hole. I agree with you on Jerry. But yeah, like they're trying to sing um, uh, Sludge Factory, and he doesn't even know the damn song. Yeah, and then Jerry's right. like, "Oh, we haven't played in a long time, man. We got, you know, we got to get it back together here." Like, so, like, I'm just curious. Like, was it that bad, or did we, like, did we only see a few cuts on the oh. MTV unplugged? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing, you know, you watch it on video, or you the the album's like an hour ten, dude. We were there three hours. They fucked up Sludge Factory like six times. <laughs> and so that and uh, and Frogs, which I like, but like those two songs, they kept yeah. fucking up and fucking up. But you're at a TV taping. So that was, I will say, like, that was cool because I'm like, oh, this is like bonus shit. Like, we get to just keep watching them do this and do this until they get it right or as close as they can. But that was like a three-hour-long show because of how many yeah. things that they fucked up. The best song they did on that album, in my opinion, is Got Me Wrong. Yeah. Uh, they both, I don't know, they both just kind of clicked. Lane woke up, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then The Killer Is Me at the end. That, that You know, I, I kind of like that as a bonus track uh, overall. But, yeah, dude, I, I, I'll never forget, like, that album, because I getting, I grew up on the Nirvana stuff. I loved it. So I still think the unplugged Allison James is better. It's my own opinion, but I think it's because you see how great Jerry Cantrell is. And I think when everyone thinks of Allison James, they only think of Lane Staley. Yeah. And like, that's not true. And like what Jerry's doing now, I don't really listen to the new shit anymore. But I've met William Duvall. He's, you know, the new singer now. Yep. But like, you know, it's Jerry Cantrell's band. It, Lane Staley fucking held it back. And that's that's my opinion. I love Allison James, but that's how I feel about them. Did you like any of the uh, the album, like the solo stuff he had, like late nineties, early two thousand? Uh, Boggy Depot, Cut You In was 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 great. I and mean, there's some other shit on that that that's really good. And then his yeah. dead, degradation trip, dude. It's he's actually um, dude from the Beatles, Harrison. Like that's what he did it after. And like if you listen to that from oh, really, back, it dude, degradation trip. You got a chance when you're bored. It's a double disc CD. And um, a lot of the shit is about Lane. He's fucking pissed at Lane. Yeah. And and it's like a lot like uh, there's a song called Locked On where he's just ripping Lane for being this uh, drug addict, heroin fucking rock star. Huh. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The degradation trips like you want to get deep and dark and go back to like the fucking 90s like that. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry can't try. And like I kind of stopped after that. Here, I'll show um, you real quick because I see you got like some of your memorabilia stuff in the background. So. Uh, so yeah, so I actually, this was the one by the foot of, this is the set list and this was by the, the stool of Cantrell and my buddy grabbed it and gave it to me. Wow. Or not. And there's the ticket and that was Holy a shit. fan club back in the yeah, day. Yeah, but dude, not many people can say they were there. Right. Uh, yeah. And you have the number four, is that number four, uh, Stone Dog uh, Pilots? Yeah. There? So, oh, so good story here too. So that's, you know, a young me with. Uh, Scott Weiland, Scott Weiland, and uh, uh, the other DeLeo brother, DeLeo, Dean, or whatever. So, this thing is signed No Chipping, Scott Weiland. For years, I didn't know what the fuck that meant until one of my friends became a junkie. <laughs> and no chipping, chipping is, is apparently like it's a saying for heroin users, and it's you just prick yourself enough to get a little off rather than get really fucked up. And I didn't know what it meant for years. And then, like, my buddy who was having issues at the time, so he's like, he laughed and he's like, <laughs> fucking chipping. I'm like, you know what that means? He's like, yeah, it's just doing it, just doing a little bit, just enough to like, yeah. feel. 
Well, the, the, I, we learned. We have learned. Uh, we've learned something. That, but you, you were into music though, and it's funny you bring this up. So that's how this podcast started. I started it one day because I wanted to talk about the loss of Kurt Cobain, and then Lane Staley eight years later, and then I yep. just went on some fucking rant, um, and then it became all right. Let's get more people on. Um, but like, I think about music, and you kind of brought it up. Like '90s was alternative. Mid '90s, there was more hip hop or whatever. But that's when Bush came along. And like you know, smashing pumpkins. We're like we're like really hot in STP for that matter. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, like like the ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousands. Like I know Spice Girls came out, and like you know, Biggie was still going strong or whatever. But like, what happened to music? Like Lincoln Park, Limp Biscuit, Corn, as you mentioned, and then like it went to like Chevelle, and like like all these shitty butt rock bands as you're talking about the nickelbacks the puddle of muds of the world i liked creed i don't care what anybody says i liked them i thought they were very good before the the old shit the newer shit that came out and then all of a sudden like boy bands were big and then emo fucking emo (laughs) like i i caught myself my my best friend was in an emo band so i started like you know i met like brand new and all these other bullshit bands but like what the fuck happened to music jim what is it because is it because of the radio and mainstream is that what happened yeah, I think so. We're, one of the points points where I was really, and I think I was only part time there at the time, where I was like happy I worked at FNX was a little post butt rock. That and I like Limp Bizkit. Any, you know, that first album's great. The second one I think is still fun. Corn's good. Like there's bands from that era I like, but I just think that that's a uh, some of that stuff just sounds it's dated. Like I wouldn't really listen to it all that much now, but it was good for what it was at the time. But where I liked where alternative music went for a little minute, minute in the early two thousands and it didn't really get mainstream play was bands like the strokes, yeah. Franz Ferdinand, um, muse, like those bands are great, but they never really caught on. So what did, and that was, but being played at bigger rock stations or even at BCN were, like you said, like Creed and Shinedown and some of that stuff's all right. I like Shinedown, but it just, I don't know. It just didn't have the punch or the effect as some of those bands did. It just, I hate and being I, and, like that. Like rock is dead, but like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck happened to it. Man. Well, with Shinedown, everyone raved about a song that Leonard Skinner wrote. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, right. oh, I, and then I'm staring down the barrel of a 45. Like what? And dude, like I did like system of a down and like yeah. some of these other bands that would come out, but like it was bad. I don't, I, and I think that's why I got into sports radio is because this shit sucked. The shit oh, yeah. they put on the radio sucked. Yeah, and that's where, you know, and I mentioned, like, I was the sports guy in different permutations of morning shows and haven't grown up around here. Like, I always loved the teams, was passionate about it, and I'm old enough where I still am pessimistic about all that shit, For even though it's been 20 years of ridiculous success. But I at least, I saw the writing on the wall. Like, after I got blown out at FNX, I was like, I can't, I'm good with music radio again. Like, this industry's dying. Uh, I got to figure something the fuck else out. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, and plus, they don't let you talk anyway, and... I don't really like the music. Like the music started to really suck. So um, <laughs> it, does, it does still suck. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know. Even when like I'll still listen to occasionally like Alt Nation on Sirius, and I'm like I don't know nine out of ten songs. I'm like this all fucking blows. Like I, there's nothing here for me. <laughs> so I don't know what happened to it. I really don't. All right. I, I want. Yeah. I just thought that was a good little music uh, discussion there with you. Uh, the Jordan documentary is out. What do you think about the uh, the playlist that they've had during the Jordan documentary? That's been the most impressive thing to me. I don't know how they got all the the rights and how you know where they got all that money. Maybe Jordan's paying out of pocket, but I think the music's been perfect. Even some of the rock stuff, like they put in um, uh, in one of these last episodes. Uh, I, I heard. I heard. Um, Down with the King. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, what's that? The uh, uh, 
let the man go through, through yep. the upside, or let the man, like they're, they'll, they're just throwing in like really good shit. And I know people have made playlists on Apple music and Spotify. It's, you know, if you haven't started following it and you've liked the music and it's great, but I will say, I said this on Fogger and Maz yesterday, I've liked it as a whole. Uh, I, these last two episodes, it got gratuitous and it feels like it's just such a puff piece for Jordan. And I was bored by them. I was like, all right, like, let's fucking wrap this up. It didn't yeah. need 10 episodes. Yeah, I'll finish it off, but yeah, I think I think we're good now, and if there wasn't a pandemic, I don't know how much uh, attention <laughs> right. it, it would get. Uh, just speaking of that, uh, you've probably been to so many concert venues because you've had to go. Uh, I'll just share mine. For me, still the Avalon to this day, the old Avalon. I saw Chris Cornell front row uh, before Audio Slave, and he was by himself, and he did a Billy Jean's Not My Lover cover. And I, I was at that show. You were, oh, dude, that yeah. show fucking blew me away, and I was in the front row, dude. Yeah, but like that's the best concert venue, at least in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. Um, no disrespect to the House of Blues because people will still try to. I think if you're young and you're like, oh no, it's it's, or you went to Avalon once, you're like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. Um, Avalon had the best sound system of any place I've ever been in my entire life. Uh, the sight lines were perfect. Um, so it was the best. Avalon was the, the best music venue in the city, hands down, whether it was for a show, uh, you know, you get fucked up, you go to a, you see a DJ there like that, that place. I miss it terribly. House of Blues doesn't come close. It's good, but it's not what Avalon was. Yeah. And Mansfield on a, a weird summer night, once in a while, a place sucks. The traffic sucks. The, the key to Mansfield is you got to pay the extra $40 yeah. to get out of that parking lot. But I one night did see Tom Petty outside there, um, and it was maybe I maybe it had to have been the weed and the booze. I don't know, <laughs> but it was fucking awesome. But again, it's who you see too, right? Like, dude, I one time saw Third Eye Blind in a Goo Goo Dolls. I got forced to a Goo Goo Dolls concert, and I thought Third Eye Blind blew me away. I was like, but again, it had to be the weed, the weed and the booze. But you know, there's bands that like, like, dude, I saw some Forty One ones. I don't even like them, yeah. and they were fucking good. And but but it was at Avalon. And I think that's why it made the the whole uh, you know the whole experience much better. Yeah, and I've just in well since and my now wife we started seeing each other like I you know was so Tom Petty dies, Prince dies, David Bowie dies, like you, you had all those like bang 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 deaths of these big monumental stars. And after that, I kind of made this conscious decision with you know the both of us. I was like, we should see everything because I don't want to be ten years from now. I wish I saw fill in the blank. Um, we could be better about it, but for a while there, we were like seeing whatever. And like you said, sometimes it's stuff you might not even be into and you're surprised. We went and saw Dolly Parton and it was fucking amazing. She was unbelievable. So, um, I would implore people to do that once, you know, life gets back to normal if and when, and you can go to shows like see anything and everything. I, I have to share this story because a friend just, uh, yeah, but so, so we went to a poison concert in a limo. Chris got a limo for us. We met some friends. We tailgated. And this dude's like, I got to take a shit. He didn't want to shit in a porta potty. So we like literally paid him. Dude, I date. Some dudes were being assholes. They <laughs> left. And I'm like, dude, I'll pay you to shit on that guy's Jeep. And he took a shit on a guy's Jeep. Oh, my God. <laughs> that concert was great, though, Chris. I agree with that. It might have been in Mansfield. Yeah, I think we saw Cinderella in Poison. And it was a 95 degree day in the summer. Oh, my God. And uh, yeah. So I figured I'd, I'd at least <laughs> shit that. But I mean, have you ever paid someone to shit on a car before? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that memory uh, just came in out of nowhere. Uh, Jim, I know you're a big food guy. 
Mm-hmm. So I I figured I'd throw a couple of a couple of things at you. We can discuss a little food talk because I'm a I'm I'm a foodie, but like you're you're a real. I just like to eat it. You 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 I think understand the ingredients of it. Um, so food well, recommendation. Not to cut you up, but you gave us one of those. You gave us an awesome recommendation for a steakhouse we went to in Miami, Miami right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah it's called Meat Market. That's what it was. Yeah, that place was awesome. So come to find out, dude, I, I was with the wife, and we were fucking. We didn't realize that they put gratuity already in it so i was tipping people on top of gratuity well i went to that place twice and the second time we went there they fucking hooked us up with a bunch of shit so that's why and i was like why i don't get it and then one day they're like yeah dude gratuity's included you've been tipping us 25 percent on top of it yeah that's a weird i found that that's a kind of a i hadn't been to miami in like a decade so you know we we're lucky enough to go for the super bowl this year and I, that's like that seemingly was everywhere in that city which i never really seen it was like and i like to tip and i'm more than I think you got to take care of people in the service industry, especially now more than ever. But I thought that was kind of weird. Like you've got to give the people a heads up about that. Cause I think, you know, most often you don't look, you're like, you know, additional 15, 20% or whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, why the fuck was this bill so high? Yeah. Meat market though. That's how, that's how it happened. Yeah. So that the next night they're like, yeah, dude, you, you know, you've been, so I was there and they were like, yeah, tell friends to come in or whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay. But yeah, I went there twice. Great state. Argentinian steakhouse. Yeah. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, I guess we could call this treat yourself. Whatever <laughs> happened to treat yourself? Uh, I got lazy and it's funny, right? I had put one together that I still have been sitting on that I was gonna put out and then everything got shut down. <laughs> so there's no point in doing like a, Hey, you should try these restaurants things and it was more it was a lot of work believe it or not uh even though i'm just filming stuff with my camera but i don't know i like wanted to write a script to it is how i had done the first three episodes it was just by the time i was ready to put that fourth one out of the, the fucking pandemic hit and i was like yeah we'll see what yeah. happens hey, you could shelve it you, you yeah. bring it back someday uh all right your favorite burger joint and i guess i'll say the city or worldwide whatever uh favorite burger joint um I'm gonna go with Autobahn. Do you know that place over by Fenway? It's uh, used to be across. Well, it's, it used the Ontane, um, I think, is what it used oh, to yeah, be. Yeah, yep. Across the street, it's a little spot. Um, yeah, their burgers perfect. They give you the only thing I don't like about it is they don't give you real fries. It's potato wedges, but I've never had a bad burger there. It's just pretty basic. Um, I don't like a lot of stuff on my burger, but that's probably yeah. my go-to. I'm out on lettuce. Give me bacon or whatever, but no lettuce, no tomatoes, no onions, none of that bullshit. Out. Yeah. Out on all that stuff. Uh, my favorite burger joint is uh, RFO Sullivan's, if you've ever been there. Oh, they're jacked. Yeah. yeah. They're like... And they give you the wedges, too. But Yeah. But, yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, how about barbecue joint? Uh, oh, BT Smokehouse in uh, Sturbridge. Um, Met the guy. Met the owner. Drive yeah. a big-ass truck. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's a that's a legit like barbecue joint, and, and another, he does it right up there, man. And another one I know you're a fan of too, the Rusty Can in Byfield. Oh, yes, fucking ridiculous. And that guy's a lunatic. So do you know he lives in Maine and drives every day to Byfield and like starts his smoke at like three in the morning every day. They're fucking nut, but their food's great. Food's great, and then you can always go there or come back from the like Plum Island to Newburyport, and yep. you know if you're making that North Shore trip, uh, you could do that as well. The I like the place in uh, what's the place, uh, the Smokehouse. They get the best. Uh, oh, the you know, the, the burnt ends. Yeah, oh. burnt ends good. Yeah, still haven't found one that's uh, that's better in, in there. Uh, how about seafood? Any seafood joints? Yeah, let's see seafood. Uh, well, um, what's the the? It depends on what you want. Like, do you want Fresh like oysters and stuff like that, because the, uh, the like I'm a fried clams guy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I love fried clams too. 
I'm I'm a basic bitch with fried clams, man. I like Kelly's. I like you know, like I know Woodman's is good, and you go to all those places and like Cape Ann and all whatever. Kelly's at the beach. The main Kelly's in Revere. Get that fried clam plate there. It's enough to feed two people. Um, I've loved it since I was a kid. My dad and my mom used to take me there. Like that uh, Kelly's clams. I'm not big on their roast beef or much else that they have there. The cheeseburger is underrated. Good clam chowder, but that fried clam plate at Kelly's is. There's there's a clam box that's in uh, on um, Quincy. Uh, what is it? what beach is there? Walston Beach, Walton very beach. good. But if you ever get a chance, Starboard Galley in Newburyport. It's a fucking hidden gem. Starboard. I'm gonna make a it's, note of it's that. Very, it's not a night. It's, you can sit outside and be on the water. Uh-huh. You know, it's no frills. Like you'll hear about Michael's Harborside and all these other places. Starboard Galley, no frills, but it's fucking good and it's uh it's good money. People are throwing out uh. Uh, Wonder Burger in Northern Vermont. I've ne- I've I've never been there. Bunch of hippies. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, I hear everything in Vermont is uh, <clears throat> is very good. Uh, any Mexican uh, recommendations? Um, yeah, a few. So I just got um, wife and I for last a week ago today for Cinco. We did um, Naco Taco, and that was only because the dude hit me up on Twitter and was like, because I was looking for a place. I'm like, where should I go? So they're right on Mass Ave, and they started as a food truck, and now they have a brick and mortar sit down or did. But you can still get takeout there. Um, they're awesome, and the fucking food was great. Um, even right downtown Melrose here, uh, we have Mexico Lindo, which Mexican really Lindo's good. great. Yeah, um, I love that spot. Yeah, it's funny. So with it, I've found it like the last ten years, five ten years, like barbecue and Mexicans really stepped up around here because I, I always thought it kind of sucked in New England as a whole. Like no one really knew how to do it, but both of those cuisines are you can find really good places. Tanash in Medford Square, that place great is good too. if you can get in. Yeah, and Howling Wolf in downtown Salem, unbelievable. And those who live a little further out, Casablanca, there's one in like uh, Lawrence, North Andover, or Lawrence, or somewhere in that area. Oh, very good, very good. And there's all sorts of shit in Jamaica Plain if you really want to go out that way. Okay. A purple cactus, uh, very, very good. Uh, all right, Jim, this is this is the question of the day here. Best roast beef. Now, let me just tell you, I grew up in Hyde Park. There's no such thing as roast beef restaurants out there. Like, what's a roast beef sandwich? There, We don't have one out there. Really? I had to cross the Tobin Bridge one day or go past the, the Zakem to find out what these roast beef sandwiches were. So... In your opinion, what's the best roast beef? Billy's roast beef uh, on the uh, the border of Wakefield and Melrose. I will die on that hill forever. Everyone has their famous roast beef or their their favorite buzzies, wherever. But for me, it's Billy's. Uh, I hate that they're closed right now. I understand it. Like some people just don't want to do like the takeout and stuff like that. But uh, if they were, I would be going at least once a week. Uh, I, it's. Uh, also, maybe the cleanest restaurant you'll ever go into, and I know that for a fact. I used to play cards with uh, the health inspector around here, and he said you could eat off the floor of that place. Um, their fried food's iffy, but straight roast beef, three-way sauce, cheese, mayo, the fucking best. Mine's Nick's and Beverly, but it's... Nick's is great, too. It's just sometimes tough to get in there, and yeah, parking's not great. I used to work at the radio station across the street. So, like, I went there way too many times. Uh, <laughs> thoughts on horseradish on beef, by the way? In or out on that one? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, you know. so I used to get everything on it. Like, so it's fine. But now I just want sauce, cheese, mayo. And, like, also okay. an extra cup of the James River sauce to, to dip. Mm, yeah. so. so you're you're a three-way guy. Yeah. You're yeah. in on the three-way. Same here. Uh, all right. And finally, uh, pizza. Best pizza joint, in your opinion? Umberto's. Galleria Umberto, North End. Square style Sicilian, um, 
just basic, crispy. The it's just perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I think that's the best pizza in in, in the city. Um, and for like a straight basic slice, you know, Regina, any of the you know, I yeah. don't think you can go wrong there. Um, and a lot of people want to shit on like the Greek style pizza. I, I kind of actually think it's a little underrated, just as like a New England Boston thing. But overall, Umberto's number one. Yeah, only I I went the other day. I went to a nice place, and uh, it's called Durham and Lynn. It was very nice, very good, huge. But Leone's oh, that, that you got with the pepperoni and on it. Yeah, they had the real like the shit was good. It was yeah. definitely made with love. But Leone's. Oh in, yeah, in Somerville, Broadway, yeah. Uh, cash only. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you just you got to go for the ride. It's 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 very 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 good. Also, uh, go ahead. Super, yeah, super clean place. And uh, have you ever got their calzones? No, but Dude, I, won't, they're, I will. They're ridiculous. Their steak and cheese calzone is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, oh man, I'm I'm fucking hungry right now. Uh, we, all right, so we got a couple minutes here, Jim. Uh, just quickly, a, a few things. Um, I know you said your old, is your old man live in Conway now? Is, is there, or I know you go out to Conway. Like North I love Conway. Zeb, North Conway. So like, I love Zeb's. I go up there all the yeah. time. I'm like a Zeb's fan. I love the fucking LVO's pizza. The Muddy Moose sucks. I'm not it a does. fan of the Muddy Moose, but is there like a spot up there that you like in particular? Delaney's. Uh, so if you go past the, uh, was it the White Mountain Hotel there on the left, the white, like the White Mountain Hotel, which is famous up there, uh, about, few more minutes on the left, Delaney's hole in the wall. Um, it's sports bar, sports bar. And the guy that owns it is uh, dead cool. He's been up there a million years. He's got tons of memorabilia in him with, you know, athletes and stuff all over the walls. Great service, good drinks, icy cold Coors Lights, always ready to go. It's a good bar. They have sushi, which is really good there. But some of the best wings I think you'll find, like they have these honey hot wings that are fucking giant. They don't split them. So it's like the big 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 wing um their burgers are great i've never had a bad meal there that place is great the only thing they just need to use real fucking ketchup they put like half-ass bullshit like royal ketchup out there put heinz out there but other than that yes. you're right about that there's got to be something about a right a, a, like a good ketchup a good blue cheese yeah like you can't give me the shit blue cheese either like i'm out on that and like sometimes i'm weird on barbecue sauce so i don't know what it is sometimes it's like i get weird barbecue sauce i just can't do it yeah, and it's to what? Save a few bucks at the bottom? Like, just put out the real shit. That's what people want. Um, all right, Jim. So a couple more things. Tell, can you tell us about the Drive for Five bus? Uh, we know you did that a couple of years ago. Like, yeah. do you look back at that as, like, that was cool? Or, like, was it a fucking pain in the ass? Uh, no, I'm glad that I got to do it. I will say, going into it. So I, when I worked on the Madden thing in 2003, same thing. I, got, I had to live on a bus. But that was for months, plural. This was a matter of two weeks. So... There was a big difference of being on a bus and having to sleep in those conditions uh, at age 25 or whatever I was at the time and, you know, 39, 40. Uh, yeah, it, it got old quick. Um, it was fun. I'm glad we got to do it. I'm glad I got to go to that Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, by the end of it, I think we were all ready to kill each other. It's close quarters. It's a lot of people. The sleeping arrangements aren't great even though you have your own bunk you're like shaking all over the place i'm six foot four i barely fit in the fucking thing um i wouldn't do it again i'll put it in that way yeah. uh so there's famous stories about you falgar maz you guys all go out like a night for the super bowl or super bowl week uh and there might be a little partake of uh extracurricular activities um like, is this a real? Can you can you walk us through this? Like, yeah. So, is everybody just basically taking a hit of weed? Like, and no, then no, like I, they fucking get lost? Like, what happens here? 
I've brought edibles with me because uh, you can, you know, no one's yeah. really going to bust your balls looking through your bag or anything like that. So I've brought edibles that I get at a dispensary, uh, usually some wax or whatever. I'll bring a vape. Um, and that's just all it is. Like uh, those guys' tolerance isn't what I think you or I's would be. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I might be fuzzy on whether or not I'm giving him a five milligram or a 50 milligram. Who's to say? Yeah. Uh, so, this time around in Miami, like I had him on the ropes. I had him on the fucking ropes, man. Like last year was a complete, the one in Atlanta was a complete disaster. Like it's the best 50 bucks I ever had to spend in my life for the cleanup for some poor bastard's Uber that Mike puked all over. Um, I buried him. It was fucking great. But this time around, I had him uh, and I gave him that edible. We went to the Celtics heat game and he just like disappeared. You know, like I don't, I can't eat edibles. Like I'll give them, I'll, buy them i'll make them for anyone but I, personally i can't eat them i may as well eat acid i like completely lose my mind um well you know what it is when you eat uh eat that stuff it goes through your liver yeah which, which like shoots like i've done mushrooms i've done other stuff so i don't know what's what's coming out if i eat the shit when i smoke the shit fine Yeah, you know, so you have the same thing like you can't eat it i get like a mushroom type uh yeah. like trip Oh, it's brutal, and it's and it's not fun. Like oh. I, 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 I actually hate it. Like I hate edibles. It's terrible. Yep. Um, but man, like I do like seeing what they do to other people, and so I gave him that. <laughs> we went in that game, and he just like disappeared, and I was like, oh, he's like lost it. He's fucking done. Um, then he found us, and him and I sat together and watched the game for a little while. Well, the other guys were like off uh, in some like stupid area, and uh, the thing that he bounced, we ate late. Like if he if we kept going and we kept going to bars, I would have got him again. But we went out for like a big steak dinner at like eleven o'clock at night, and you know how like you get food in you and you're like back to life. And it's like ah oh, God, I I, I ah. <laughs> That's I I still it's like sounds legendary. The legend of the Super Bowl week yeah. with Elgar Maz and Big Jim. Um, speaking of that, I, so I, I used to smoke a ton of weed. I, I kind of chilled a, lot, a little bit only because I need to get find a job. So mm -hmm. if anybody wants to hire me, I have clean pee. Um, <laughs> but like, dude, so when I was growing up, man, there was all sorts of shit. Like, I I, I used to smoke the the weed with the the you know sticks, stems, seeds. Yeah. And again, I grew up in the hood, so like, I I don't know where I was getting it from. It wasn't like some college kid with kind bud, you know, and that, it wasn't that. So I do that, and all my buddies were like, dude, like you got to see this shit we get up at school, man. Like, try it out. I would smoke it and it wouldn't like really do anything to me. Like the kind button, all that shit wouldn't do anything. So one day my buddy's like, dude, I got this shit. We call it white widow. And it was like in this glass case. And I'm like, all right, like, let's do it. I fucked up. I like, I like fucked up. So like that, that's how I like got introduced to like good weed. All right. But like, were you used to that old seed stem? Six oh, yeah. Or were you like out on that and went right for the good shit? No, it used to, I mean, especially because I'm a few years older than you. Like it was nothing but fucking dirt for years. And my friend, Adam Curtis, who's now like the richest guy I know because he was so ahead of it, dude. Like he, oh, in the nineties, like in high school, he'd be like, this shit's going to be legal one day. This is how I'm going to make my nut. And especially then we're like, please, you know, like no shot he has since opened a dispensary he's a multimillionaire. like it's out in, in denver he was like on the ground floor in 09 but he used to deal and we bust his balls he's like one of our friends like adam like don't sell us this shit again his last name was curtis we would refer to as the curtis brown all it was a <laughs> hundred bucks for a fucking headache dude terrible yep, yep. Six seeds awful um yeah and then i remember it was like 98 99 someone i knew got uh, you know, it was like, oh, you're going to try hydro, this hydro shit. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, 
what the fuck? Like, and ever since then, you know, you see where the, what people can get or grow and all the technology behind it. Like, it's on a whole different level. I smoked up my dad. Now, like, my dad doesn't have great health, but this is going back like 10 years ago. My dad openly smoked for years. But guys that age, like, they don't fucking, they weren't used to that shit. And no. we smoked him up. Dude, he fell. Like, he fucking fell in the bathroom. It, like, killed him. It nearly fucking gave him a heart attack. Like, I, I have no clue why, but the old folk still love the old weed. They yeah. can't, they can't, like, cross over. Like, I'm telling you, like, you, you look at these red hairs, man. They're like, nah, just give me the old teens and stuff. But I think it was Snoop Dogg, and I, I got to give him props. When he was like, no steez, no stems, no sticks, some of that real sticky Iggy, that's when I was like, I can't get a headache anymore. Yeah. You know? Now I just get high and I get the munchies and I go to sleep. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's pretty much it for me. But it's weird. Like, it's funny. Like, I've again, I've smoked weed up until, like, you know, the last, whatever, couple of months. But, like, whatever. I'm glad it's legal now. I'm glad everybody can do it because back in the day it was like, oh, you're a pothead, you're a stoner. Or you can oh, get yeah. arrested for it. And, yeah. like, now it's like, fucking Jesus, so stupid. Oh yeah, and but props to your boy for uh, for making out big on that. Oh, it's crazy, dude. I, I, you know, I'm proud of him. It's he always had, he was always wacky and like, you know, I, I he, he had balls. Like I, I, he had balls from the get go. He always knew he was going to end up doing that kind of thing, and it's fucking worked out. But it's crazy to me just all the how. And I'm glad that how acceptable it is now, too, because it's the same thing. Like, boy, like if you got labeled like a pothead, like, you know, 20 years ago, pretty, your life was pretty much over. <laughs> All right. A uh, couple more things here. Um, Richard Seymour is a Hall of Famer. Uh, you made a good comparison that people hate Bill Parcells just like they hate Ray Allen. I thought it was like a great comparison. So uh, Seymour gets in this year, but next year it'll be Parcells, Vrabel, and Welker. It's going to be Welker, right? Welker. I mean, it's going it's to be another year of no Parcells. Yeah. And I don't really put it on the team. So I mean, it's like it's a team hall of fame, so they're going to have their say, but at least they're, I feel like that they've softened that they actually put his name and Rabel's on that list, but I don't know. Fans are petty. And, you know, you got guys my age and older. I know, you know, what Jerry Thornton, the bar stool written, like he shouldn't have been making those phone calls the week of the Super Bowl. And yeah, it was ugly how that thing ended. But again, this team's in St. Louis without Bill Parcells. And at the very least, acknowledge the fact that without Parcells, the Crafts don't get to sniff the ass of Belichick and say, ooh, you know what? We see something with this guy. He already had a chance. He blew it. But maybe maybe this should be the guy post-Pete. Like, without Parcells, that doesn't happen. They don't get to be around uh, Belichick. So I just think it's a younger person thing. Like, well, not completely because, again, you, you know, uh, Thornton's older. But I don't know. Like, get the fuck over it. Really, it's the Ray Allen thing. Like, get the fuck over it. Like, appreciate what he was able to do for their respective team, Allen for the Celtics and Parcells for the Patriots, and and honor him because it's a it's ridiculous that he's not in there. Uh, Jim, this has been a discussion on this podcast for a while now. I rewatched The Sopranos uh, during this, and I guess I guess I want to get your opinion on how did The Sopranos end? In your opinion, not great. Um, there was a stretch there. I tried to convince myself. I don't know if you read all these like multiple articles and theories and it's like, no, the, it's supposed to be you, the viewer, and they kill you, the viewer. And no, they kill Tony. And it's like, just fucking give it to, give it to us the right way. Like, don't make me think like uh, at the risk of sounding like a fucking hammerhead. Like it's a TV show. Like, I don't want to think that, that hard about it. Like just end it the fucking right way. I don't need art. Um, so I, I wasn't happy with the ending and I wasn't happy with those last few seasons. I, the whole thing with Vito, I thought, was prolonged and too much. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's still one of the greatest shows of all time. 
Uh, those first three seasons are perfect. Um, but it, I thought it really went off the rails the last couple of seasons, and I hated the ending. I'm still pissed. I'm yeah. still pissed. Like, dude, I loved Game of Thrones, but once it happened, I haven't even talked about Game of Thrones since. Oh, I, don't no even, shit, really? I don't even know if you've heard, like, it, that it was the worst ending, but like I don't, I I bet no one has watched it during quarantine. Like I bet you nobody is even like, now nah, I'm not going back because, dude, that really was one of the greatest shows. Yeah, my girl loved it, but she hated that last season and felt like oh. it was a vlog, and she hasn't had any interest. We we've gone back. I I'm like I'm one of these wire stands. I've watched it I think six times through in its entirety. We're going to do it again. Like I just think it's timeless. It's perfect. Um, I love uh, her and I like um. Uh, six, uh, succession. We just recently rewatched oh, nice. that, but like Sopranos, man. Like I found, like I'll watch clips or longer clips on YouTube, but to go back and rewatch it, like I have no interest. And she's felt the same way about Game of Thrones. Like, nah. Like, all right, that, that goes into uh, the how we wrap this thing up. We call it quarantine time. All right, Th- things that you've done during quarantine. So, uh, what shows have you been w- watching? Any other new shows that uh, that you've been watching? Uh, her and I, lo- <laughs> we love 90 Day Fiance. Oh, dude, I love that shit. <laughs> did you, uh, did, so, can you believe what the fuck happened with that David and Lana thing? Do you, so you- I don't know what the deal with that, the Lana is like, wh- I, but I, I've watched like a million of like, there was one that went back to his country, but like she couldn't stay there and the shower was gross and like, so I haven't like watched it every single week, okay. but like, I, I'm like, in though, I get, I know what's going on and it's all fucked up. I don't want to ruin this, but there's one guy who's just like a loser's loser, and he's gone to Ukraine like five separate times. Yep. He's completely getting scammed. But then the fucking girl shows up, dude. I yelled at the TV. I was like, no, this is bullshit. Like, it's so staged and like, oh, it just made me so mad. So, yeah, 90 Day Fiance, Dark Side of the Ring, which I know you're a fan yeah, of. Yeah. Um, what else? Like I said, we recently watched rewatched Succession. Uh, Let me give you one. Insecure, if you, if you, especially with the wife. My dad loves that show. Dude, I fucking love it. I don't know. It's like an HBO thing. Anything they put together. And Issa Rae, she's, she's outstanding. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. My dad said, he's like, we were like, really? <laughs> yeah, it, dude, it's, yeah. You're, the fact that your dad's watching is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. And then you got to watch Dave. It's about Little Dicky, the rapper. I keep seeing that's the FX show, right? Yeah, FXX, I think, or it's on yeah. Hulu or something. But dude, that shows like ten episodes of thirty minutes of just like a Jewish guy who's a rapper, and he like he's like the it's so fucking funny. I, I don't I I walked into it. It's it's really good. It's really kind of the only new thing I've watched. But for thirty minutes a show, it's really funny and worth. I need something light, so I'll check that out. Yeah. And it's funny, like he raps, like you know who the, the little dicky is. He's yeah, like, yeah, and it, like everything's about like him and his girl, and yeah, it gets uh, it gets a little. See, people love Dave. Okay. The show, the show just keeps getting uh, better and better. I'm trying to think of what else I've been watching. There's other stuff out there, like you know, if you want to watch like the Lifetime type movie, Dirty John, uh, Big oh, Little li- Big Little Lies about that too, isn't there? Some- yeah, like Big Little Lies is on HBO if you want to watch like that stuff. Uh, Dead to Me um, is like with Christina Applegate if you want to watch that. But yeah, I've been watching too much TV, man. It's like it's like starting to become the end of the world to me. Uh, what has been your go-to snack here during quarantine? Oh, Jesus, what hasn't? I'm just getting fatter by the day. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know what's been problematic is um, crackers and pub cheese. Um you know, it's just like Triscuits and the the the, the port wine pub cheese. Ritz right now, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I'll it, you know you add that with a few beers, and then all of a sudden I look down, I'm like, oh, I ate the whole box. So um, 
yeah, it's crackers and PUBGs has been been a problem. Have you ever seen Unorthodox? Somebody is asking. No. Mad Men. Uh, another one starts great, ended shitty. Uh, I actually tapped out before the fifth season even ended because I thought it became predictable and I hated everybody. And I like I hated all the characters. And once I start hating all the characters, you've lost me. I'm done with your show. All right, a couple more here. Best frozen food. Uh, I'm not a frozen food guy all that much. I will tell you, so in terms of like bad habits during quarantine, I will say anytime I open up my freezer, I keep a bottle of, uh, or bottles, I've gone through them, of um, of Bailey's in the freezer. It's a nice little nightcap. It's refreshing. It's almost like, you know, boozy ice cream in a bottle. <laughs> yeah. I've been putting my uh, Kowloon mix in there too. It's uh, Oh, nice. Yeah, a little, little frosty Mai Tai. Yeah. Uh, def- definitely goes uh a long way uh and finally what's the most what's the most obscure purchase you've had during quarantine i'll just give you mine i did instacart and everything went fine but they gave me an extra bag i'm not a salad guy i'm not a lettuce guy they gave me a fucking head of lettuce a box of baby spinach and fucking uh like six avocados extra like Like pre-bagged spinach yes They like they like you know the ones in the boxes like the fucking baby spinach like the well, yeah. Oh, but like, okay. yeah, but, yeah but is that like some sick joke like <laughs> I don't fucking love that I don't like any of that shit so everything was successful but I got a bag of fucking uh like shit that I don't need and like I don't use avocado I don't eat avocado like what the fuck you so can, that's you my could, story you could turn them into to guac do you or your wife like guacamole uh, she likes the guac I, uh, guacs of fun. Like I one time watched a play. I was at Rosa Mexicana once, and they just did it in front of me once, and I was like, the squishing bothered the shit out of me, <laughs> and I've been so weird about it since. It is an odd sound. Yeah, well, shit. Like uh, maybe if you have a garden or if you have bunnies in your neighborhood, just throw That's it. Over yeah. Uh, but any obscure purchases for you? Um. Yeah. So when uh when Brady went to the Bucks, I immediately went to eBay to see what I could find uh, in terms of like Bucks gear. And there was a, a throwback Doug Williams Jersey with a 12 on it. Wow. Um, that I got for, and it was a Mitchell and Ness. I mean, would have been 200 bucks used, it was yeah. a little up, but I got it for like 40 bucks. So um, yeah, that's probably been the most obscure thing that I've purchased. All right. He's big Jim Murray. Yeah. Uh, you can hear him on the radio in about 40 minutes or so. Last thing cameo, man everyone's on cameo how's that tell everyone how they can how they can uh, reach out to you and how the cameo thing get started so and believe me i know that it's douchey but it's extra scratch and fuck it like well i'm not gonna say no to it because like i'm not doing any voiceover work or anything like that right now so i'm not gonna say no to extra money but um maz so there's this company called blue sky entertainment and they have like you know bigger names they got zoe they got um ex-Red Sox players, Jerry Remy, people like that. And so they've helped them get on there. And then they reached out to Maz. And then Maz out of the blue was like, hey, you should do this. And I was like, sure, like give them my name. Like I didn't expect to hear back from them, but I did. And so that was a few weeks ago, 15 bucks. I'm not going to raise the price because it's ridiculous that people even want me to do it in the first place. But just go to my Twitter page. It's pinned at the top. You want me to do any kind of dumb voices for you? I can dance like a monkey. I'll, I'll do it. So, um yeah, you know, uh, as it is, like 15 bucks, I feel like is a little high. I'm not going to raise it beyond that. If people want to hire me for it, I'll be happy to do whatever the hell. As long as it's not terrible or racist or anything like that. <laughs> All right, he's Big Jim Murray, 98 Five, the Sports Hub. Uh, Gasper moving up in the world as well on Channel 5. Is he yep. dress- dressing a little better now? 
Uh, I don't know if you can dress any better than that guy. Like, even coming in on Saturdays where I look like this, like a fucking homeless person, he's just, like, dressed in the nines. It's like, Jesus, man, like, do you ever give it a rest? And even when he is wearing sweats, they're, like, $400 sweatpants. Nice. Well, that'll be uh, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock uh, on 985 The Sports. I'm Jim, appreciate the time, man. I know, you got, I know you're going to be on the clock soon. So, yeah. uh, you guys got anything coming up today on Felger and Maz? Uh, I think it's going to be some Brady bashing based on an article that Maz wrote at 985thesportsup.com uh, and a bit more on uh, you know the bitching going back and forth between uh, the MLBPA and, uh, and, the, and the owners, which stupid i mean just fucking figure it out people need the you know people need something and for people there's so many people out of work like for the players which i'm normally on the side of players over ownership and worker against the employer but like give me a fucking break like just take the deal and get the fuck out there exactly man all right he's big jim murray 98.5 the sports up jim appreciate your time man it was a great job and uh i'll probably see you at some point when they let us back in the building all right, Joe. Take care. Thanks, man. You got him. I really appreciate it. Thank you. He is Big Jim Murray from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, it was fun. It was good to catch up with Big Jim uh, and go over stuff. He'll be on 98.5 The Sports Hub coming up at 2 p.m. today. Tomorrow, we'll have Julian Edlow from DraftKings. Uh, we'll have some fun with him, kind of go over everything that's happening in the sports world. There's UFC fights tomorrow night as well, and we'll probably take a look at some uh, – We'll probably take a look at some betting odds when it comes to the NFL and everything like that. And wrestling was very good last night. Um, so I might do that later in the week as well. But appreciate everyone for tuning in today. Uh, again, uh, you can find the show just sitting here on Spotify, YouTube, and on iTunes. Appreciate everyone with the downloads. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to continue this through this week and then next week. And I mean, I got to go back to work at some point, right? Like, our job's hiring. Are there people out there that are actually getting interviews for jobs? Like, how do we get a job? <laughs> like, I, I see I see the jobs out there, and you apply, but it's like, are you just competing against everybody else? It's fucking nuts. Anyways, looking for a job if anybody wants to hire me. Um, I'm still doing, you know, radio. But, uh, you know, if you want to hire me, I can... Do something when I'm not at radio. All right, whatever. Uh, all right, got to get out of here. That's it for me today. Uh, thanks to Big Jim Murray. Fun job. Uh, I love I love working with Jim. He's, he's a good dude. I'm not going on Cameo. Come on. Who wants to hear me on Cameo? Hmm. Ten bucks, though? If I did, like, a couple, put some extra scratch in the old pocket? Hmm. Maybe we could. All right. I got to get out of here. I'm Joe Murray. Again, you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, and on iTunes back tomorrow with uh, Julian Edlow. I'm Joe Murray. Just sitting there. We'll talk to you tomorrow.